1: So God promised before the beginning of time, I'm going to offer mankind. And I know they're going to fail. They're going to sin. And they'll become sinners. And sin will come upon the whole human race. But I'm going to offer them eternal life. I'm going to save them. And I'm going to do it. And he spoke about it through my only begotten son, Jesus the Christ. I get Jesus bumps even talking about it for the third time this weekend. It's the gospel, folks.
0: Do you get Jesus bumps whenever you think about the good news of the gospel? Pastor Danny looks at the letter to Titus today and gives us a glimpse at the absolute marvel that the mercy and grace of God is. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, laid down his life on the cross through no fault of his own to reconcile each of us to him. No work on our part could ever save us. Without that gift, we would be utterly hopeless. But more than that, he makes us heirs and gives us honor due to him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the Book of Titus, Chapter 1, with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: The letter is called Titus, uh, written by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and so it's part of our New Testament. Written to Titus, and yet Titus is on an island, it's still with us today, the island of Crete. Titus is an uncircumcised Greek. Paul, of course, a circumcised Jew. They had tremendously diverse backgrounds, and yet. Uh, we'll learn from verse 4 that Paul led Titus to the Lord because he calls him my true son in our common faith. Sometime later, Titus became a ministry associate with Paul, and Paul sends him to Crete and gives him ministry instructions on Crete. Now, Crete in this day, interesting background on Crete. It's a mountainous island. has one large mountain called Mount Ida believed to be the place where Zeus was born. Uh, in this day that this was written, they were steeped in Greek mythology. Now, I don't lo- know a lot about Greek mythology, but even if you know a little bit of a gr- about Greek mythology, the Greek gods were pretty much liars and cheats. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that. Zeus, for example, Zeus would hide himself in a cloud in order to ravish a maiden and then he would go and lie straight-faced to his wife Hera about him and this relationship with this maiden. The Greek gods were pagan. (laughs) Pagan. And the Cretans, over time, did a good job emulating the gods that they worshipped. They, too, were pagan. One of their historians, Polybius, I think is the way you say his name, here's what he wrote about his own people. On account of their innate avarice, which is excessive greed, Cretans live in a perpetual state of private quarrel, public feud, and civil strife. They were deceitful. They were dishonest. They loved money, and they would lie and cheat in order to get more money. I give you that very brief background on the island of Crete and their culture because it will help us appreciate what happened. When the gospel invaded this island, we don't know who initially took the gospel. It could have been Cretans that were at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 tells us there were Jews from all over the place, including the island of Crete, and of course 3,000 people get saved on that day of Pentecost, and some of them probably Cretans, and they would go back and begin to share the gospel to their people. Some believe maybe the Apostle Paul initially took the gospel there. We just aren't told in history and we aren't told in the Bible who and exactly how the gospel came to Crete, but it did come, and it had such an impact that churches began to pop up across the island. And Paul, whether he initially brought the gospel there or not, had a very important hand in helping to establish and strengthen these churches And that's why he sends Titus there. And he writes, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. a faith, the knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, Who does not lie. Isn't it interesting the Holy Spirit adds that there. Especially remembering that the gods of these pagan Cretans were liars. And now the true God has come and brought his message. And the Holy Spirit says now. This God. The hope of eternal life he's brought. Which God who does not lie. Promised before the beginning of time. That's a fascinating statement. God promised eternal life. God promised the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Now think about that. That would mean before creation. Genesis 1 verse 26, just write it down, and and I'll read it for you. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, very interesting verse. The sixth day of creation, God has created everything else, and now on the sixth day, he speaks, and here's what he says. Then God said, let us make man in our image, and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. On the sixth day, God talked to himself. Now, that's kind of mysterious, but he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't ask me to explain the Trinity. I cannot explain it. I can't totally comprehend it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and yet God declares through his word, he's not three gods, he's one God, but he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said to himself, let's make man in our image. I told my wife yesterday morning as I was studying for this, and I thought about that truth that God talks to himself. I said, Wendy, I realized even more so what a godly woman you are. Because I'll find sometimes in the house, I'll hear her talking, I'll think somebody else is in the house, I'll look around the corner, she's just talking to herself. What a godly woman. God said, let us make man in our image. But Titus tells us God also spoke before creation. And he spoke and he promised. He promised before any of the world was created and before we were created, he promised to offer mankind eternal life. Isn't that cool? He promised it. And he doesn't lie. Do you know he spoke about the eternal life that he would offer? Hebrews chapter 1. Again, if you can't find it, just write it down. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. And I'll read it for you. For to which of the angels did God ever say, Say, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Great mystery, great truth, the Incarnation. When the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus, the Christ, in the womb of that young Jewish woman named Mary, God said, today I have become your father. That's cool stuff, man. Today I've become your father. It's from Psalm 2, verse 7. It's a messianic, prophetic psalm about the Messiah. So God promised before the beginning of time, I'm going to offer mankind. And I know they're going to fail. They're going to sin. And they'll become sinners. And sin will come upon the whole human race. But I'm going to offer them eternal life. I'm going to save them. And I'm going to do it, and he spoke about it, through my only begotten son, Jesus the Christ. I get Jesus bumps even talking about it for the third time this weekend. It's the gospel, folks. Back in Titus, look. The hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word, which he promised before the beginning of time, to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. It gets even more cool. God promised it before the beginning of time, and then in the fullness of time, he fulfilled what he promised by sending his one and only son, Jesus the Christ, to die for the sins of the world, and then for those that would receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which includes me, He gave me the command and the privilege going to all the world and preach this good news of eternal life to every creature. And I get to stand here and preach it to creatures like you. (laughs) Isn't that cool? What do you mean creatures like us? To Titus, my true son, and our common faith. Did you get that? The only thing Titus has in common with Paul is their common faith. Titus is an uncircumcised Gentile that Paul, before he met Jesus Christ and was cleansed of all the religion that he had grown up with, he would have never hung out with Titus. Because circumcised Pharisees don't hang out with uncircumcised Gentiles. But now, he says to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. And the only thing that made their faith common was the simplicity of it. It's Jesus. It's the gospel message. It's the death, the burial, the resurrection. It's not a common faith in a religious attainment. It's not a common faith in a religious observance. It's none of that. It has nothing to do with law. has nothing to do with religion. has to do with the gospel to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. The gospel invaded this pagan culture on the island of Crete. And just like it had revolutionized the life of a very religious man named Saul of Tarsus who becomes the apostle, pinning these words, it also revolutionized the life of Titus, this uncircumcised Greek, who became a spiritual son to this apostle. And it revolutionized their lives just like it revolutionized the lives of these pagan Cretans, hundreds of years ago. It's a powerful message. It's a simple message. It's a timeless message. And it's a message that can be preached in any culture because the culture of Christianity is unique to any culture. Now, that brings us to verse 5. Well even before I read that, you know how unique we are when I say creatures like you and talk about Paul and Titus and the only thing they have in common. Listen. Leave here just a minute. Let me just digress just for a minute. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for all of you were baptized into Christ. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Savior. This passage is not trying to uh, get rid of gender distinctions. It's just saying, look, in Christ we're all one. We're the most unique bunch of people in all the world. Ephesians chapter 2, listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, For he, Jesus himself, is our peace. Who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Not only between Jew and Gentile, but between any people of any background. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. By which he put to death their hostility. Let me read you one more passage. First Corinthians chapter 6, also written to people of very pagan backgrounds. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Don't you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But I love what he says next. <laughs> And this is what some of you were, creature. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, when you received the gospel, all of a sudden the gospel and the power of the gospel so impacted your life and my life that you are not now what you once were. You're a new creation. All things passed away. All things continually becoming new. I mean, that's just great stuff. Great stuff. Listen, the church is a kaleidoscope of incredibly diverse backgrounds, cultures, pagans, and religious zealots, and all come together under one banner, the banner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's so cool. Okay, back to the text. That was a nice digression. That brings us to verse 5. The gospel invaded the island of Crete. Churches sprang up. And now part of Titus' responsibility to make sure that these churches remain spiritually strong and continue to grow spiritually, here's his instruction. Verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered. Now, the Cretans would have noted that because they were quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, and they were violent, not pursuing dishonest gain, and these guys were pursuing dishonest gain all the time, and cheating and lying in order to gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And then finally, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. He's talking about the purity of the message of the gospel, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it now sometimes when we teach through a passage like this we spend a lot of time on the character qualities of an elder in a local church but that's not what we're going to do and I'll tell you why you could look at each one of those character qualities and you could do a message about each one of the character qualities but here's the bottom line these are character qualities of true godliness now how did we start out verse 1 Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth, the gospel, that leads to godliness. It doesn't just save you. It's not just fire insurance. It changes your life. I want you to know, sometimes we read passages like this in our culture too, and we think, well, elders in the church, they're probably Bible college graduates or seminary graduates, but these guys aren't seminary or Bible college graduates. These are Cretans, pagans, <laughs> dishonest swindlers. And yet, when the gospel comes to their island and impacts their life, all of a sudden, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ not only saves them, Jesus Christ changes them. So that now they're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And these character qualities you find as part of their lives. And Paul says to Titus, you ordain, you appoint elders in every town. What's an elder to do? An elder is to be an example. An example. An example of what the power of the gospel can do in one's life. And an elder is to make sure that we maintain the purity of the message that did change our lives. Hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. It's simply the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that message saved my soul, and that message changed my life forevermore. I am not the same person, and everybody in Hartsville, South Carolina, knew that when Danny Hodges received Christ as Lord and Savior, Danny Hodges became a different person. And when you come from a small town like me, it doesn't take long for word to travel. And people that thought Danny Hodges got religion, once they saw my life, they realized this is more than religion. We can't can't explain this. We don't understand how this drug addict that we wanted our kids to stay away from is now not only free from drugs, but he's a nice guy. I want my kids to hang around with him now. Maybe he'll have a good influence on them. You understand, these are men that were appointed as elders, that people that knew them would have known something radically has changed in these people's lives. And they were to serve as examples of the power of the gospel. And they were to make sure that they held the message just as they had been taught it, just as they received it, so that that same power that changed their lives could change other people's lives. I love what R. Kent Hughes says on this, and I'm going to read it for you. Beneath their surface courtesies, many people are burdened by dissatisfying marriages, enslaved to lusts and addictions, entangled in patterns of thought and habit that they desperately hope, but can hardly imagine that they can escape. They're ensnared in dead-end pursuits of money and power that control their lives without satisfying their souls. Godly leadership proves that freedom from the slavery of sin and selfishness is possible. I am living proof of the power of the gospel that can free you from the drugs. It can free you from the sexual immorality. It can free you from a life of pursuing things that will never satisfy your soul. I'm living proof. And I'm just one of a lot in this room. The power of the gospel changes lives. Changes lives. And that brings us to verse 10. You appoint elders to be examples of what the power of the gospel can do. And those elders need to make sure they maintain the purity of this message that will revolutionize somebody's life. Not just save them from hell, but lead them to true godliness. Why? Verse 10. where there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they're ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. And that for the sake of dishonest gain, they're greedy. And then Paul quotes one of their prophets, a guy named Epimenides. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths. Jewish myths, what are those? Those are the things Jesus talked about when he said that the Jewish leadership in his first coming, what they had done is they had added to the word of God, and what they had added had no basis of truth in it, and they're now teaching rules of men, religious rules that are miss. If you do this, you'll be closer to God. If you do this, it'll purify your life. They were miss. Or to the commands of those who reject the truth. What kind of commands? 1 Timothy, chapter 4. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such things come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry for the sake of holiness. Okay? And order them to abstain from certain foods. A religious diet to bring you closer to God, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God in prayer. You point these things out to the brothers, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. That's what he's talking about.
0: You've been listening to The Living Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship with Pastor Danny Hodges. Sometimes, life circumstances hit hard, and they can leave us wondering where God is. And not only that, they can leave us wondering if He's even real. But rest assured, the Lord never leaves or forsakes, and most importantly, He is the truth. Are you wrestling with your faith today? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we would be honored if we could do that for you. So send us an email at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. Would you also pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we'd recognize His voice always? Thanks for praying. If you don't already have a church that you call home and you live in or near St. Petersburg, we'd love to be that for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship invite you to join us for our weekend services. Check out ccfstpete.church for the latest service times or to find out how you can join us online if you're not in the area. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Titus right here on The Living Word.